This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome into another episode of WFUV's Five on Three, the NHL podcast. Here at WFUV Sports, Mike Messina is here. I'm Chris Hennessy on March 30th as we move closer to the end of this 56-game season uh, and the playoff picture starts to come into focus for local teams. Uh, lots of good stuff to get to today. Mike, I want to start. Uh, we started a lot with the Islanders, so we'll keep that <coughs> Excuse me, keep that going. Um, they lose three games since our last record, uh, including a brutal two-game set against Pittsburgh to end what we called their toughest stretch of the season. And it actually doesn't end because Washington is coming into the Coliseum uh, this week. It's um, it's a little bit concerning, to say the least, since they lost Anders Lee. They've lost Noah Dobson. Um, but Dobson should be coming back for the Caps game, which is good. And um, trade line being April 12th, uh, I expect a new Islander to be on this team on that day. You know what I found weird? I mean, it's not really too weird, but I want to know who makes the schedules because why? Sometimes there's a seven-game series, and then like they they play the Islanders for one game, and then they play. I think it's the Flyers for one game, and then the Rangers for a game. Who who makes these schedules? That that's completely off topic of what you asked me, but I'm looking at it right yeah, now. It's, well, I think it was for COVID reasons. Um, I I think. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to do a baseball schedule. Uh, it's uh, it is what it is. I, I kind of like the baseball schedule, honestly. I think the players like it too because there's less travel. Play two games against the same team in a row. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't bother me too much. No, no, no. I, I'm definitely a fan of it, but like, I feel like just keep it consistent at that point, though. Then why have a seven game series earlier in the season? I, I don't think the Islanders did, but other teams like seven game series and then a one game series. It, it it just doesn't make sense that they're doing it both ways. But I, I'm here for it, so I got no complaints. But you said it, Chris. Um, Dobson should be back for this Caps game. I saw he was clear through COVID-19 protocol, so so that's good that you guys can get him back. Let me ask you something. Who do you who who is a player that you're looking forward to come to the Islanders and kind of take charge and take them to that next step? I think it's got to be either Palmieri or Hall, um, because I think if if you look at what Andersley brings to this team, it's pretty clear that. Leo Komarov does not bring that. And that's who's been on that first line with Matt Barzell ever since the Lee injury um, towards ACL after the season uh, and the playoffs. And it needs to be a, a heavy winger. And, and they're different players than Anders Lee for sure. Uh, there aren't too many guys like Anders Lee in the league. Chris Kreider certainly one of them, but not too many guys like Anders Lee in the league. And I think if you add Taylor Hall to this team, he's a free agent after the season. You can't afford him with it and Lee's contract on, on the books, which it's not right now. So I, I see it being either one of those guys. Um, and it's looking like they're not even going to have to give up the first round pick to do so, even though I'm pretty low on, you know, 20 and higher in the first round picks. Like if you're picked 23, like it's, it's a crapshoot at that point, in my opinion, um, you know, they drafted Josh Hosang down there one year and that didn't work. They drafted Beauvillier down in the teens or in the twenties the next year. And that's worked out great. So I, in, in my opinion, it doesn't really mean too much uh, if you're going to go win a Stanley cup or win the Eastern conference. So we have some traces off, but I'll get to that later. But I think what the market has said is that 
first round picks are not going to be flying off the shelves. And if that's really true, then there's no reason to not get one of those two big fish. And I feel like Taylor Hall is the perfect acquisition for the Islanders. I mean, having a terrible season right now and with no one really around him at all to pass the puck or get the puck from, I think him coming to the Islanders obviously can't afford him with, with this contract right now, but it's going to be huge. He's going to have pieces around him that he's been looking for and needs in order to be the player that really everyone expected him to be in. And I'm sure he expects himself to be as well. So I think he would be the perfect fit for a position with the New York Islanders and Palmieri too. I mean, I'm not sh- Is his contract up right now? I'm trying to find it. When, yeah. I believe when, he is a free agent after the season. Yeah. So, so hit him as well. That would be another, per- another perfect pe- piece to the puzzle for the Islanders in order to make that Stanley cup run. And honestly, I, I don't put it really behind him to not get one of them. I, I think that they know what they need to do to get it done. And, and I think that it's very feasible to do. And, and I think anything but those two guys is a letdown. Yep. I agree. Um, I completely agree with you. It's um, <clears throat> it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks and they can trade from a Canadian team too. Um, now, now, now with the, the COVID quarantine down to seven days starting Friday, I believe. Yep. So Eric Stahl will have to quarantine for the 14, but everybody else will be able to quarantine for just the seven, which is big, which is big for those teams. Yeah, for sure. The honors think of the joint, by the way, they've lost three games in a row. The fourth game against Boston was a, was a horror show and they should not have won that game. If Tuka Rask doesn't re-injure himself, they don't win that game. Um, so that's how I feel about that. I, I am a little bit concerned now, especially because Washington does not lose um, ever. I don't so know what it is. They are – every single key player on that team is above 30 years old besides the goalie, right? They're, they're fantastic. Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, she, like Carlson. All of these guys are, are – 30 plus getting paid a lot of money and with a new coach and they have been, they've been amazing this year. They're the team I picked to miss the playoffs out of the five from, <clears throat> from the East. And now we look like an idiot now. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And we'll talk about the Flyers a little bit later and how we both kind of look a little silly because you had the Flyers winning the Stanley cup. I had them getting into the playoffs and, and they've been an absolute dumpster fire recently mm-hmm. too. So uh, lots of good, lots of interesting, interesting stuff going on in the East, including the Rangers winning, couple of games here. They are on the right track, man. They yeah, are on the right track right now. Um, and it, Chris Knobloch was the coach for a little bit. Um, I know that if I was looking at Jackson Hyla right now, he would be the leader of the parade to get David Quinn off of the bench at Madison Square Garden. However, I'm looking at you. So I look ask you as a Ranger fan, your thoughts on the Chris Knobloch, David Quinn situation. For those who don't know, David Quinn, COVID-19, Chris Knobloch, coach of the Wolfpack. He comes up, coaches the 9 nothing win against the Flyers, the 8-3 win against the Flyers, and a bunch of consecutive wins until the other night. So your thoughts on that situation? Man, first off, hats off to, to Chris Knobloch. That was a, a tremendous, tremendous coaching effort. Never, like, like not being on the bench more than that day. He came up, instantly got the 9 nothing win. And I was, I was actually in, I was in Vegas when that game was going on. So... I was walking around and I was talking to my girlfriend. I was like, Hey, we need to stop somewhere where, where I can watch this game. And I, it was only four nothing at the time. So I, we, we stopped and I was like, what's going on? Like Zabanajad with six points. Phenomenal. Adam Fox is playing really better than anyone ever expected him to. 
And he, he w- without him, I don't know where this Rangers team would be, honestly. Kreider's getting back to where he belongs to. Panarin is shooting the puck, scoring, getting assists, just like we brought him here for. And it's really all coming together. Lafreniere starting to get the puck better. Um, it's really all coming for, full circle for the Rangers. And, man, I don't know. If, if, they, if they can keep playing like this, then they're not completely out of it yet. But speaking on David Quinn, I, I like David Quinn. I think he's a good guy. There's definitely some faults in his coaching abilities that need to be addressed, but I, I don't think they're going to be giving up on him just yet. I, I think he is going to be there until at least the end of his contract. And I maybe, maybe extend him, but I, I, I don't see that happening. But the effort that Chris Knobloch brought to, to this team, the energy he brought to the bench was just phenomenal. And man, I have nothing but respect for that. And I'm sure like, like him and David Quinn were talking all throughout pre-game, post-game about the plays they wanted to do, about setups and whatnot. They, they both said it, and just them working together for those, I believe, six, seven, maybe eight games it was, it, it, it was just fun to watch, man. Like, not, nothing else to say besides just great team effort that, was in, that entire two and a half weeks, and we'll have to see what the Rangers do with David Quinn. I know a lot, a lot of fans want him want him gone. So we'll, we'll have to see what the team things, but I think he's still got some, some left, man. I, I think he can still show us what he came here for. I, like I said, there's faults to his game, but I'm not taking anything away from him. He, he's a good coach and, and I think he'll be able to bring the Rangers to a playoff series and potentially win. Maybe yeah, not the season, of course, but in, in the future. Yes. I, I agree with you. I think that, um, I think that he can, he can certainly be the coach of the future for this team. Um, I have not gotten to read it yet, but I heard an interview with Rick Carpinello from the athletic who's been covering the Rangers for a long time. Um, he, he um, has an article. He talked to Brian Leach about the play of Adam Fox. And um, I heard an interview where he said, you know, Brian was very complimentary of Adam Fox and Adam Fox is not Brian Leach right at this point in his career. He had a Calder and a Norris, um, which, uh, and he was in his fifth season and Adam Fox is in his, what, his third. Um, so I thought that, that was very interesting kind of seeing how Brian Leach thought about it. And uh, David Quinn to me has been a fine coach for this team. I don't see what Jackson sees. I, and there's a lot of Ranger fans. I don't want to just think about Jackson. I don't see it. I think that this guy's a good coach who developed young players very well at Boston university who, you know, if, if you want Jack Eichel on your team, has a relationship with Jack Eichel from their time at Boston University. Um, and is all in all a very good coach. Um, so I, I think he, he's he's the guy for this job, but um, we'll have to see. I don't know. Um, I think he's I, I think he's going to be here for at least the immediate future and, and potentially further. Um, I mean, that they, they love him. The players love him, I feel. And he gets a lot of – he gets a lot of um, – misconception from the fans for the ice time from like Alexi Lafreniere and, and other players, how they don't have enough ice time, which I don't know. I feel like there has to be something going through his head that, that makes him make these calls and there's a reason for it, but, and then it, it just doesn't work out on the ice and it, and it makes you wonder like what's going on. Like, what is he thinking about that makes him make these calls and not have certain people on the ice for power plays and, and kills and whatnot. So I don't know, man, we'll have to see, but I don't give him, I don't give him 
as much like I give him much more credit than a lot of other people do I'll say so so I like him and I, and I definitely want to see where he can take this Rangers team yep I, I agree um for sure so we'll move on to the Devils who went two and two this week um Mackenzie Blackwell makes a highlight save to keep a game one nothing against Boston and a great win Devils have been dominating Boston all season long it's uh, it's an interesting thing because the Devils are seen as kind of the team you beat in the East along with Buffalo and Boston can't do that, which is part of the reason they're falling down the standings and dangerously close to falling out of the top four now. Um, but as we've said many times before, um, the Devils are going to win some games and they're at the end of the day, they're going to be better than Buffalo. So I think that's all you can really ask for, I guess. Um, you know, I hope they have the coach for the future. I don't think it's that hard to be better than Buffalo this year, though. No, it's certainly it's not very hard. easy. What, what what they're doing right now is honestly impressive. Like, it's impressive. Like, well, done. If you tell me you lose 18 games in a, in a row or you win 18 games in a row, <laughs> they're neck and neck with, with which one's harder to do, honestly. <laughs> and, and I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, that is hard to do, to lose 18 in a row, especially being down – Especially being up three nothing to the Flyers and then losing it in the third, I don't, I don't know how that happens. Yeah, the other night was certainly crazy. If you missed it, Buffalo up three nothing in the third. <clears throat> this was Sunday afternoon, I believe, or yesterday Monday. Yeah, I think it was last night. Last night, um, they're up three nothing in the third period. Philly comes back, pots three, wins it in overtime. Um, it's it's crazy um, how bad they are. But back to New Jersey, I, I think. All in all, at this point, you would consider this season a success because they have seen some things from guys they wanted, they needed to see things from. Uh, when you talk about a rebuilding team, like you, sometimes when you talk about the Rangers, you want to see offensive play from Lafreniere and Kako, and you want to see Keandre Miller turn into a number two, number one defenseman. Um, and, and that's kind of what you're looking for in a season like this. Same thing in New Jersey. And they've been pleasantly surprised by Ty Smith, who's has a, an outside chance at the Calder, although I think Kirill Kaprizov and Tim Stutzley and lots of lots of really good rookies out west. Um, but he's been very good for them this season on the back line. Obviously, you know we know about Jack Hughes, and he's been very good. He sure was hurt, but um, when he's there, he's he, he's been fantastic as well. So I think I think you got what you're looking for, um, and I think now more than a year ago, it looks more like Blackwood is the guy. I think a year ago there were some questions about, is this the guy, you know, is this guy our, our goalie for the future? And now I think maybe it's not like a foregone conclusion, but I think it's possible that this guy that Mackenzie Blackwood is, is the goalie for when the devils get good. Yeah. Like talking, going back to Ty Smith, him and Zaka lead the team, lead the team in points with 19, two goals, 17 assists for Ty Smith. And he's 20 years old and Zaka's 23. So they're two, top players on the team as of now are 23 and younger. So they have a ton of potential moving forward and they're, they're still learning the game, man. Like they're Ty Smith was just a teenager. He's young. They're still Mm. learning and developing day after day after day. So I definitely don't put it past them to become much, much better pretty here soon because like what they have around them is not bad at all. Miles Wood, PK Subin, Paul Mary, Jack Hughes, and even Jesper Brat. Like they, they have pieces around them that they can produce goals and win games in the National Hockey League. And I think that time will come. And especially going back to Mackenzie Blackwood, I mean, he's having a good season, nine and nine with a 0.911 save percentage. He's not awful at all. He's he's a good goaltender. He made that awesome save the other night. Um, I believe it was against 
uh, the Bruins. Awesome. Yeah, but like he he can be the goaltender for them, man. I'm sure they're looking. They're not, they're not stuck on him. I'm sure they're looking and shopping possibly, but with what they have right now and what they can get between trades and draft picks, they have the potential to be a top team soon in the near future, and I think they will be. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, we're going to hit a little, new segment, maybe. Maybe this will become a thing. We don't have a name for it, though. Quick hits, quick items. We're going to go fast through a couple of things that are really just just kind of talking points and not big stories. The trade deadline flurry started, as we mentioned. A third and a fifth round pick go from Montreal to Buffalo in exchange for Eric Stahl, as he will now quarantine and then join the Canadians in a couple of weeks. Um Buffalo might have screwed themselves by setting the market too low for Taylor Hall. So we'll have to see about that. But um, all in all, this is a solid trade for Montreal. And Eric Saul made some interesting comments, uh, basically saying how bad Buffalo is. But uh, the first trade of the season goes down with Eric Stahl going north of the border. Yeah, I mean, how, how can he be upset with this trade? <laughs> yeah. he's, he, he's, getting, he's getting out of the worst franchise this year, the the like who who wants to play in Buffalo right now? There's nothing he should be upset about. Buffalo's retaining half of his salary as well, so Montreal was able to. They they sent someone to the taxi squad. I forget who it was, but um, they're I think they're they're yeah they're paying 1.6 mil of his three and a half of his 3.2 million dollar salary. So um, good trade all in all, but like you said, cap was way too low. Uh, the the um. The trade piece is way too low. They they could like, I don't know. I I think that. I'm I feel like they could have gotten a second. I'm surprised that Buffalo even retained half of his salary. I thought they were going to try and shed much more, but like capitals are on, are on the fringe with with the cap situation. So it is what it is. But good move overall. Um, get him out of Buffalo. I'm sure he doesn't care. Yep. Uh, second trade was for a fourth round pick headed back to the Rangers for Brendan Lemieux. This serves two purposes. One is to cut cap, and one is to make space for Vitaly Krasov. They did that. They had a fourth-round pick. This is the, maybe the biggest bullet trade of all time because Brendan Lemieux is a fourth-liner. I mean, he's 25 years old. Maybe he'll turn it around in L.A., but he's a fourth-liner. You trade him for a fourth-round pick, and you get a guy who who is supposed to be one of your next stars in Vitaly Krasov up to the team. Good all around. I don't – I mean, and for on the L.A. side, like what – I mean, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, and – it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, crafts off or Lemieux, balance them out. You want crafts off. Lemieux, yeah. you, Lemieux is one of the toughest players I've ever seen play the game. Gritty, he has his teammates back no matter what the issue was. So, so the Rangers are definitely going to miss him because he's the guy on the ice that they call for when they need a tough shift, when they need pucks blocked, or even when they need someone to fight. He's the guy there. But listen, he takes stupid penalties, man. 59 penalty minutes. Two goals, five assists. So I mean, yep, he didn't do much. He he nah. was in the box a lot of the time this season, and I mean, it was like it, like it was kind of inevitable. Like when they say penalty, and then they they make the call, and it's Lemieux going to the box. You kind of envision that happening already. But yeah, he 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 was a great teammate. All of his teammates love him, and the fans love him. So he's going to be missed. But great. I mean, it, it's a trade that doesn't really matter. We, crafts off is what we need and to make the cap room we have to do it and honestly to for, uh, you're not getting much better than a fourth round pick form so it works yep. out completely agree uh next one is elaine Bigneault's comments on carter hart he says he needs to work harder and basically he just needs to become a better goalie um 
and he scratches him for the next two games. Carter Hart's supposed to be the goalie of the future in Philadelphia. Um, he was going to be the goalie of the future in Philadelphia. At the end of the 2018-19 season, he played very well and almost got them into a playoff spot where they had no business being there. Um, and now he isn't good, and Brian Elliott's better. And you can't really hate on scratching him. The comments may be a little bit over the line. Yeah, I, I actually disagree. I don't even think the comments are out of line. I think him as a coach, he, he needs to set the line straight. He needs to tell reporters what he's feeling, and, and he does. And if Carter Hart needs to get more work done, he needs to get more work done, and that, that's not something he should really be upset about. Vignold even said, he goes, he's not scratching, not skating. He's going to skate today and practice, stay on after. Practice with the team tomorrow, stay after. So, like, he's very clear on what uh, uh, scratching him for two games is going to do for him. He's He's going to be working harder than he probably has all season. And I have no issues with that. No issues with the comments. And I actually wish more coaches would come out and make comments like that. It really gives the players an edge and it makes them want to perform better and play like the player they should. And I, I, I actually like the comments that AV said to Carter Hart or about Carter Hart. So I, I'm all on board with that. Mm-hmm. Carter Hart with the eight, nine and three record this season with an eight sixty nine save percentage. And a 404 goals against. Look, if it's true, it's true. And, and it it's true. So, like, yeah, I, I see no negativity in that, but besides him trying to get Carter Hart to be a better hockey player, very yeah. good. He's, uh, he's a young guy and exactly. must be the goalie of the future. So, we'll see which how that turns around. He could be. And maybe, maybe this will help him learn that he needs to put everything he has onto the ice and into practice onto watching film off ice meetings. So, so maybe this is exactly what will help him get to where we thought he should be by this point. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, another Philly thing, Shane Goss placed on waivers today. Nobody's claimed him yet, which is interesting. You know, an offensive defenseman like that doesn't come along all that often for free. Um, his cap, it is not extensive. It's uh, just a little shade over 3 million. Um, I think, you know, we're going to talk about the Aaron Ackblad injury in a second. I think that that's a team in Florida that can go out and get that guy for, and for free. Um, right shot offensive defenseman. And he's not Aaron Ackblad, but he's an NHL player. Um, you know, last year in the bubble, he barely played. This year he gets he gets cut. And this is quite the fall from grace from one of the highly most highly touted rookies in, in recent years. Yeah, like you said, I think Florida could be a perfect spot with the Ekblad injury, which, which looked – brutal when you're watching it but um or you you, you even go to a canadian team I, I think there's plenty of teams across the border that that could use them and now especially with the quarantine lesson into seven days I, I think those either florida or a team across the border is definitely two of the top destinations for him going forward yep um then you mentioned it earlier but it's 18 straight games without a win for the buffalo sabers they remain at six wins, well over 30 games into the season. We are approaching worst season ever territory. Um, and I think what's going to save them is that this season is going to end, you know, 20, 26 games before it usually does. Um, and they're not going to, you know, finish out this season with less than 20 wins um, or otherwise they would. 623 and 5, 17 points in 34 games um, with a minus 51 goal differential. It's um, wow, that's that's really bad. <laughs> There's like, we can talk about it, we can make jokes about it, but like, that that's embarrassing. Like that that is embarrassing to be a part of that franchise, to be the coach of that franchise. There, ha- like, 
there needs to be changes, significant changes, which is well obvious and I'm sure is in the works now. There needs to be changes of all operations, players, coaches. They just did, though. They just did. Jason Botterill was just fired, and when Kevin Adams came in, Mm -hmm. he fired everybody. There's like 20-something firings over the summer. It just happened. I don't – there's nobody to fire. They all just got there. So maybe it's like – them getting used used to the positions they're in and the in the players they have around them, but something needs to be done, man. You can't be losing 18 straight games, even some being up three nothing in the third period and end up losing that game. You can't be doing that. I'm pretty sure if I read that correctly, they're tied for the most consecutive losses in NHL yep. history. Am that is I correct. That is correct. That that is a stat that that will will never go away for them. And um, they I can only imagine the pressure they have on themselves in order to win a game. Like, when, when's their next game? When is their next well, game? next game? I think the the toughest part is, though, they're in a tough division, and they're only playing against that division. Even in a normal year, they're going to play against Detroit, Ottawa, exactly. Anaheim, those kind of teams. Their next game is Wednesday night against Philadelphia. Yeah, tonight was postponed. Okay. So, so. And Philadelphia is the team who just came back from down 3 nothing in the third period. So, I'm sure that's going to be at the forefront of their minds, and something needs to be done. They, they like maybe that maybe their coach needs to come out and say he's getting scratched because he's not playing well. Maybe, maybe maybe that will really put some pep in their step and, and be able to play the game. But I, I don't know what else to say besides it. It's embarrassing to watch that. Yep, completely agree. And the last thing in this new segment is Patrick Marlowe. This was a sneaky. This is a sneaky record watch here. On if he plays every single game on Monday, April nineteenth, Patrick Marlowe will play the most games in the history of the National Hockey League. Isn't that pretty amazing? I did not. I like. I know that he's been around for a long time, but I, I did didn't not know. Was, I didn't know he was that that many games, though. Yeah, I did not know he's been along for around for as long as Gordy Howe, who's that's who he's going to pass. He just passed Mark Massier last night, and eleven more games from now, April nineteenth against Vegas, he will be uh, the number one in most games played in NHL history. Um, and it's a shame that he never won the cup. He tried twice. I mean, he got to the Stanley Cup in twenty sixteen, and he tried twice at trade deadlines to. Go to places he thought he could win a cup. Um, Toronto one year and Pittsburgh the other uh, did not work. Oh, I guess Toronto was a um, – that was a free agency thing. But Pittsburgh was um, – Pittsburgh was traded on. But so he went, to, he went to one Stanley Cup final and tried two other times. But uh, it's unfortunate that he never got a cup. Doesn't look like he'll ever get one if, unless he leaves San Jose. Um, but congrats, anyway, congrats to him for getting into second place. And inevitably here he'll be, uh, he'll be in first. Yeah, I like that. That's inevitable. He's going to pass it sometime in April. But Chris, you said it. That is a spectacular stat, which I didn't. I, I really had no idea until this week that it was even that close. Um, but to, to be even be mentioned with guys like that, Messier, Yarmir Yager sets 1,733. So he passed him 20 games ago. And he's, yep. I, he, I think he's 50. He's still playing, which is nuts. Yep. Um, but yeah, Joe Thornton's there too. 16 1659 games so you can't count him out of this either he uh he looks like he's still trucking and going and has a couple more years left in him too but it that, that that's just awesome to see um players still playing i didn't like that that's just cool to be named with those type of guys and especially giving it your all every day man i like he's given his all since day one and nothing but respect for him and you said it it sucks that he didn't get to win a cup and he's not i don't think he's gonna win a cup He's, I believe he's, well, I know he's pretty old, but. 43, I think. 
43. Yeah, so, I mean, his, his time is – his time's pretty much here. Yep. Within yep. next year, the year – so, his time's almost here. So, I, I don't see him winning a Stanley Cup, especially because he's with San Jose and who knows where he's going to be at going forward. But awesome. Great for him. He deserves it. Um, man, I, I just wish we could have saw him saw him win something. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That, that would have been the ice into his entire career. I agree. The uh, last thing we're going to mention, we have terrible luck on this podcast. Because last week, we recorded over a week after the 9 nothing win. And now on Tuesday night of last week, after we had recorded, the Tim Peel situation happened. So it's been simmering for a week. And it's, um, it's a crazy story. Um, Tim Peel, if you've been living under a rock... NHL official who is now never going to officiate a game again after a hot mic catches him saying that he called a penalty on the Predators. He wanted to call a bleeping penalty against the Predators uh, early in the period. He did. Um, the I was on one-on-one this week, um, and I talked with Andrew Posadas and Kayla Wenzel about it. And Andrew and Kayla are not um, big hockey people. And I think it was interesting to hear their take. Kayla basically said, like, I don't see this as that big of a deal because this happens in every sport with every ref in every, every single game. And she's right. I I can't deny that. And that's kind of the majority opinion. What I'm concerned about is publicity for the league. The last time the NHL was in the news was when the ice melted at Tahoe. Then a couple of days after that, Panarin and the Rangers and Russia, that's not anybody's fault. That's just what happened. Um, And it's the lead story on WFAN every single day for two weeks, because the best player on the Rangers is not there. Um, and then uh, I can probably think of a thousand more. And, you know, the last, you know, I, well, how about the lightning boat parade? That was not good. Um, having the parade with the cup uh, with everybody out there in August, you know, the last really good publicity they had was the no positive test throughout the whole bubble, um, which was great, but they're only in the news when a team wins a championship or something, something crazy happens. And when that crazy thing is negative, it's hard for them to bounce back. And I made this point because when we were talking about it, we talked about this story and then women's basketball and budget issues and cotton women's college basketball. When something happens in either one of those sports, you talk about it and you move on. And that's how you make money as ESPN, as sports center, as, you know, WFAN, as any radio station, newspaper, whatever you, you talk about the bad story and you move on to basketball. And that's what happens in every place with this Tim Peel story. It's not good pub for the league. It's just not. No, it's terrible for this today. But I kind of like I'm on board with Keela here. Like I don't, I don't really see it as an issue. It's ha- it, like we know it's happening. Um, it happens not only in the NHL. It happens in the NFL, MLB. It happens in every single sport possible. But for it to be said and heard on national television, that's where the issue comes into play, and that's where the publicity issue comes into play you that's not something that should should be said it should just be i'll say thought about but it should just be known that that that's kind of how the sports how how all sports work and it stinks that they can kind of dictate how the game goes if they if they feel something's not that big of a penalty they can still call it it stinks that that's how it works but that's how it is but i just think he was retiring at the end of the season anyways I don't. I, I see this as more kind of a slap on the wrist, and now all you see is refs just 
when they're making a call or talking to talking to someone, they cover up their cover up the mic under the uh, right next to their neck, just so no one can hear it. I mean, that that's how it's going to be now. And it's because of situations like this where they feel they can't be trusted or they feel everyone just listening to and trying to put detail into every word and sentence they are saying that they don't want anyone hearing what they're saying in the microphone. And it makes sense, but it's just something that can't be said. And it's something that gives the league a terrible rap, but it's something that is also known throughout all sports that happens and it happens every game, no matter who it is. So non-issue to me, but issue that it was said, but not issue that it was done, that, that, that the penalties were given. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. My only issue is it wasn't like a boarding penalty. It wasn't elbowing. It wasn't unsportsmanlike conduct. It was tripping. You're not going to control the physicality of the game, prevent injuries because you call a tripping penalty. Of course not. That's, that's where it works for me. Like, I would understand, right, a controlling the game foul call. Like, let's say, like, we're watching college basketball tonight, right? And the Michigan, like, Jawan Howard starts mouthing off. Well, how about in the Big Ten tournament, right? Jawan Howard got kicked out of the game. That's just to manage the game because he's mouthing off at the ref, right? I completely understand that. I get it. This is tripping, man. Like, this is not going to control the flow of the game. If you want to call a charge that's borderline, if you want to call an elbowing that's borderline, if you want to punish a coach or a player for mouthing off, I get it. That will control the game. This wasn't actually going to do anything. And now – you're in a situation where the story has died off now, but nobody, no, there's no follow-up. There's no, the story is on ESPN in the first segment. And then they move on. They don't talk about the capitals. They don't talk about the avalanche, right? I compared it to Angel Hernandez. We as sports fans accept horrific officiating, but Angel Hernandez is on another level. If you're not a baseball fan, you're welcome because this guy is atrocious. His strike zone is all over the place. When he does first, second, and third, it's a disaster. Guys, guy is a train wreck. And the only reason he's still employed is because of the umpire union in the Major League Baseball. But he'll ump a game, and unless it's, like, obscene, right, then it doesn't – it never goes out there. Like, if it's if he's umping – if he's refing Colorado, Arizona, right, and it's not his best game, but there's not, like, the one where it's right in the middle he calls the ball, we never know. But we watch the Yankee game. And it's like, right up the middle of this, he's, he's hosing both teams because he can't, he can't work. So he, he's a terrible official. He's a terrible umpire. But we just accept it and we move on because there's we, never we, been a situation where somebody has said, or he's been caught on the mic, like, yeah, I really wanted to screw the Blue Jays th- this time because I don't like George Springer. And, and so I just calling strike on everything. Like that's never happened. And the second that happens, he'll be fired because we all know he's terrible at his job. Uh, and this it being caught on the mic is, is really bad. It's really bad. Um, See, I feel like the, I feel like the two are kind of, are kind of different because Angel Hernandez being bad at his job is strictly him being bad. Like him missing strike calls up the middle multiple times a game. I feel like that's, those aren't give back calls. That's just him not actually seeing it correctly. But Tim Peel saying this is he's clearly given, given a call back. Or, or calling a penalty on a team because of something he called earlier in the game, which is wrong. And but that's how that's how it works. And yes, it dic- it dictates how the game goes. But like you said, it was a tripping call, so it didn't really it wasn't going to impact anything. But just the fact that it was said out loud 
got all this traction on ESPN, everything you can think of it. Everyone was talking about it, but now it's over. He had a month, two, 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 three months left of, of officiating of being a ref in the NHL. Now I feel, I feel like it just, the punishment's nothing. I feel like. Yeah. But, but what else are you going to do? Well, there's no other punishment that could have been handed yeah, down. That's there it. was a fun, fun question. I, I didn't prep you for this, so I apologize. I was listening to uh, the athletic hockey show, which is a podcast um, the other day. So the Tim Peel moment, obviously hot mic, famous hot mic moment now infamous. What is the moment in NHL history that you wish had a hot mic? And there's a couple of good answers to this one. There's the famous video of Patrick Waugh getting pulled from the game in Montreal and walking behind the bench and telling the president of hockey ops. We don't know. Cause there wasn't a hot mic. I don't want to play for this team. Trade me now. And he walks away and he gets traded to Colorado. And it's, like, and it's one of the most famous videos of all time, but we don't know what was said. We don't know what his reaction was. We don't know exactly what Patrick Waugh said. I would adore hearing that. The other one is, um, the, the go get my donuts in the go get some more donuts, whatever it was in the, it was Eastern Conference Finals. It was the Devils. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 I don't remember. I, I would, I don't that's, remember. The hot mic, that's, that's the greatest hot mic moment of all time. I would love to hear what the, in the ref room right after that. Those are the two that they mentioned on that show that I would just adore hearing. Man, uh, I, I would have to think. But one that, one that comes to mind, it has nothing to do with refs, though. So okay. forgive me for that. But Marty St. Louis scoring right after the death of his mother. And coming back and scoring that goal and the entire garden just erupting. The entire team w- was huddling up with them. And I, I would have just loved to hear what was being said. Sure. With, with, with Right after that goal, within the huddle, and really just the love and compassion that was being passed yeah, around. Yeah, hear what AV that, said to him on the bench? Sure. That's, that, that's, some, that's something that I would have loved to hear the conversation of. That's a good one, too. Um, so lots going on in the NHL this week. We'll be back with you again on Tuesday. Um uh, it's it's going to be a big week for all these teams as the Rangers and Devils start inching closer as Boston and Philly kind of fall off. It's um, maybe maybe we're talking about Islanders Rangers first round series in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> that, that would certainly that would certainly be a lot of fun. Uh, for Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you next week.